So today I'm speaking with Judith Petz. Judith is a spiritual artist committed to personal and spiritual growth. Her artwork is created to motivate people to ride the wave through uncomfortable times and to feel happier every day. She's going to be sharing a powerful story with us about how she moved past a lifetime of abusive relationships, learning to love herself and draw boundaries. I think even if you haven't personally experienced an abusive relationship, you're going to find inspiration from hearing her journey. You're listening to The Inspired Way, stories of everyday heroines, real life inspiration. I'm your host, transformational coach and connection catalyst, CJ Rivard. Join me weekly to hear real life inspiration and tips for tackling your life's challenges. Each week, you'll hear from a relatable woman who shares about her struggles and the tools she used to work through them. By being women of courageous action, vision, and ongoing evolution, each of us can create a ripple of positive impact, and together, we'll create a wave of change. Join us. Okay, well, hello, everyone, and welcome or welcome back. I appreciate you joining us, and I'm so excited today to introduce you to my friend, Judith Petz, who has a great story to share. You're going to be inspired, and Judith, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Hi, CJ. Thank you for having me, and I'm here to share my story. Yeah. Well, to start with, why don't you tell everyone where you are Zooming in from? So I am calling from Toronto, Canada, and I have been living here for almost 20 years, and I'm originally from Hungary. Which explains your beautiful accent. (laughs) Thank you. Beautiful. So everyone just heard a little bit about you in our intro, but is there anything else you'd like to share about you or what you like to do before we get into your story? I live in Toronto, Canada, and I live with my 18-year-old daughter who was diagnosed with Asperger's. And what I love doing, what's really in my heart is I love doing art. I am currently creating personalized sacred geometry paintings, yes, for people. And I just love what I do. That's awesome. Yeah, and that is, if anyone is watching this as opposed to listening. That's a beautiful painting that you have as your backdrop. So you can get a feel for some of what it is that she does. So let's start right in. So to begin with, you just mentioned that your daughter has Asperger's. And I think before we get into your story, that is kind of an overriding element as we talk about it that contributes to your story, because it sounds like as you've gotten to know your daughter's diagnosis, you recently realized that you've been working with similar diagnosis kind of in the background all along without knowing it. Do you want to tell us a little bit, if anyone doesn't know about what Asperger's is exactly, you know, unscientifically, a recap of what it means and what the disability Yes. Yes. So as we speak, I am on the waiting list for an Asperger's test. 
as after speaking to a psychologist uh, regarding parenting help uh, with my daughter, mm -hmm. I, we are suspecting that I may have Asperger's as well. So Asperger's is, to me, what it means is I have high anxiety in uh, normal situations, like my palms are sweating now. <laughs> and anyway. I'm a really nice person, I promise. <laughs> yes, you are. So I'm very anxious in completely normal situations and anxious in social circles. I really, it's really hard for me to recognize uh, nonverbal cues, hard for me to recognize whether someone is just joking or trying to hurt me. Also have been allowing friendships to go on for a long period of time and accepting maltreatment or abuse. Right. And that yeah. really, that element kind of plays into a lot of your story, I know, and what we're going to be talking about. So really, yeah, recognizing, reading social cues and recognizing social situations for what they are is an element of Asperger's, I think, that would really weigh against someone as you are finding yourself in abusive situations, which is what a big part of your backstory, I know. And can I just say, I want to give you a huge shout out right now, because there are a lot of women listening who don't have high levels of anxiety, but would never, ever raise their hand and get on a podcast like this. So <sighs> I, I just, I can't believe the example of bravery you were showing to just, and, you know, thank you for doing that. I know that our hope is that this story will definitely help others, and I know it will, but you could have easily said, mm, no, let somebody else tell their story. I'm good. So thank you for being here, Judith. That's amazing. And that is an inspiring example right there, ladies. <laughs> So take us back. I think that some of the challenges you faced really start with your childhood and where and how you were raised. If you want to give us a short recap of what that environment was like and what you were challenged by. Sure. Thank you. So I lived um, in a single parent family. I grew up with my mom and two brothers and also with plenty of cousins. And there, so at that time, in that era, their children were mostly, were put to only be seen rather than heard. So whenever I had issues with my cousins or with other people, or whenever I wanted to ask clarification of social cues, I didn't understand. I was just a shush. I couldn't express myself. Mm. And also I had to people please a lot because I had a cousin who was overweight and my family wanted me to not to be better than her because poor her, she's overweight. So they don't want to, her to feel bad. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, they didn't care how I felt, how bad I felt at times when I, you know, couldn't be wearing the prettiest dress. I couldn't be excel at what I excel. I couldn't excel at arts. Actually, one thing I was able to excel and that was sports. <laughs> Good. 
Yeah, yeah. I love sport. I was actually signed up for a sports school and I wanted to spend most of my time there. So a lot of times I had to be at school early mm-hmm. and I also had to go back to school after school to have exercises and, and group practice. That was probably... And so actually that... I was going to say that was probably helpful to get you out of the home environment too. You could be yourself and excel and do your best and not feel like you were being stifled. It was super helpful. And that's why I think I survived my childhood. That was very helpful. Wow. I can't, you know, it's funny talking about people pleasing ways. A lot of us get into that because we want that validation from the outside. But to be taught that in such a specific manner, that must have been a really long process to recognize and work out of that that's not the way we really want to be if, you know, as we step into our power and try to be ourselves, that's incredible. I've never heard of someone so specifically being taught to put themselves down to lift everyone else up as a child, as a young child. Yes, it was very unfair. It was very unfair and it took me over 20 years to figure it out. And I'm actually, I'm super happy that I did. And, you know, I'm grateful for this experience because now I'm here and I'm able to share Mm -hmm. and I am able to, you know, let people know that it's okay to recognize these things because a lot of time I, I kept myself from recognizing these things because I didn't want to hurt my cousin. I didn't want to hurt my parents. Mm -hmm. People pleasing. Yeah. More people pleasing. (laughs) I understand you did finally plan an escape and move out of their circle of influence, which again, I think required a lot of bravery because, you know, whether it's a good environment or not, we tend to want to stay secure and in and around what we know. So how old were you and what did you do to get away from your abusive family? So I was 21 years old. Uh, When I left the country, I left the country for England. I got a babysitting job and uh, I didn't go too far. (laughs) Just a couple of neighbors down the road at that time where I actually met my soon-to-be husband. Uh Uh-huh. And after that, soon to be (laughs) ex-husband. So, yeah, so I got out of from what bad situation, uh, lived a little bit alone in Mm -hmm. London, England, just to become a part of another bad situation. Yeah. And that cycle was uh, inevitable and understandable why it happened. Mm -hmm. As I I was very young and I didn't understand this cycle yet Mm -hmm. and I didn't seek help. Mm -hmm. So how long, so you ended up in another abusive situation, more so because I understand he, you were obviously, he put you down and was physically abusive as well, correct? Yes, that's Um, correct. And so how long did you stay with him? So I stayed with him only seven years. Okay. 
well, that's a long time <laughs> for the situation that you found yourself in. And you, I'm not sure you had a daughter at that point. This is your daughter when you had her. Well. Yes. So things escalated pretty yeah. quickly, which is known to be normal with abusive people. They put you on a pedestal. They say that you are the best and they never experienced such a relationship before. Mm -hmm. They put you on a pedestal. They declare their forever love for you and that they will never leave you. And they get you pregnant quickly. And then, then boom, everything changes and you're off the pedestal. You're no longer the best person on the earth. And actually you are the worst person on the earth and everyone else is better than you are. Yeah. And everything starts revolving around them. You are, I actually kept feeling that I'm back in the same situation when I was younger. Yeah. Similar cycles happened to peak out every day at me. And so I couldn't be better than him. <laughs> so it, it also reminded, by, mm -hmm. reminded me the dynamics uh, that I had with my family, between my family and my cousin, her situation. Which is pretty sad because I have a feeling if they focused on her, lifting her up instead of putting me down, it yeah. could have been a totally different story for all of us. Yeah, for sure. So it must have been so hard coming out of that cycle of abuse and being put down constantly because it really requires courage and belief in yourself to step away and function, not believe what they're telling you. So how did you get help and kind of start working through the fact that you are worthy and you deserve better? Like, how did that mm -hmm. come to you or evolve? Because I'm sure there are some women listening, if not themselves, they know somebody that's kind of stuck in that not believing in themselves enough and knowing they deserve better and can have better. How did it evolve for you? And yeah, the funny thing is that, well, so we were together from 2002 to 2000, early 2010. So end of 2002, early 2010. And I just, I remember I was, I was just wishing every day that I want my life back. It felt like someone took my life away and lived my life the way they pleased. And so I started reading self-help books, a lot of it, a lot of it, of course, secretly, in secret, because I wasn't able to read books. Uh, I was told what to read, what to study, how to dress, who should I be friends with? So, you know, the, the normal stuff. Well... Not normal, but I guess from abusive people yeah. is normal in a abusive situation. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then I kept wishing, okay, you know what? This is not me. I want my life back. And I remember crying. I remember crying one day and rocking back and forth and saying, I want my life back. I want my life back. And so I decided to start reading self-help books. I got them. I got them from the library. Mm -hmm. I, I was hiding them in cupboards and, and drawers and yeah so but it wasn't how I left 
So how do you say it? He wanted me to do things for him, right? Everything, everything, everything. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't do everything for him. So he signed me up uh, for for psychotherapy sessions. That was nice of him. Yeah. (laughs) So, and even told jokingly, I thought it was a joke. He even said jokingly to the psychiatrist, can you please make her do everything for me? Can you please, you know, cure her so she does a good job for me? (laughs) Yeah. And actually what was helpful in him putting me into psychotherapy was my daughter. She was acting out, of course, a child in an abusive relationship where she cannot express her feelings, she's going to act out. Mm -hmm. So she acted out at school and she was referred to a doctor and no, actually she wasn't referred to a doctor. She was, the school asked, so we we seek our pediatrician Mm -hmm. to recommend her. Mm-hmm. You know, she's acting out at school, what's going on? Is she, does she, is she have a disability? Is mm-hmm. she, or is she just, you know, something going on at home? So we went down on that route and pediatrician suggested a child psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. The child psychiatrist recommended family therapy. He was not getting any of it. Mm-hmm. And he sent me to attend the family therapy on my own, where I realized that's when I realized, okay, I'm not being treated right. I'm doing everything right. I was validated and that I need to stand up for myself. If I want something happen that I need to, I need to make it happen. So I did. And, you know, I truly believed at that time that he's a nice person. I truly believe at that time that, you know, if I just stand up for myself a little bit, he would treat me better. He, because I thought that he doesn't treat me well because I didn't say he's not treating me well. So I started calling him out on his things that he was doing to me, the put downs. I started calling him out on the put downs. I started calling him out on other things. I started standing up for myself. I said, I don't want to go to that school that you want me to go to. I want to go to a photography school. I want to go to art school. Mm-hmm. So I said to him, we've been living in that place for a long time and it was never painted. So the walls were dropping paint. And I said, okay, I want to paint. I want to paint this apartment. And so we started painting the apartment and that's when it, because I was so confident, he didn't like any of it. Unfortunately, I truly believed that we could build a connection together. And I truly believed if I stand up for myself, things would get better but it didn't. It would get worse, unfortunately. And so it led up to a night in September 2009 where he would do something that he would regret for life. That was the night when he strangled me. And I think my daughter saved my life because she woke up in the other room and was looking across straight at us. So he would stop. And, um, and, uh, sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Let, let's, I, I can't, well, thank so, goodness. <laughs> why I'm crying is because I wouldn't leave him because I would think it's normal. Yeah. I would think these, these things in families were normal. And so the way I left 
it was him again. I thank him for it Mm -hmm. because he said six months later, Mm -hmm. because I was still confident and I still wouldn't back down even after the incident, I would still stand my ground. I would still continue therapy. He said, if I don't kick you out now, I'm going to do something that we both regret. So he was threatening to, to end my life. So he kicked me out of the the house uh, with my daughter and we ended up in a shelter and we, she ended up in a new school system Mm -hmm. and we finally started our life with my daughter. Man, thank goodness. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Thank you. Thank you. And it was lucky because then, you know, my daughter was diagnosed at age, uh, between age six and eight, she was diagnosed with Asperger's, uh, high functioning autism. And we could, we could search all the help we needed. And at time I was super busy, you know, starting a new life, getting a new job. Right. I didn't really have time for myself. I was focusing on, you know, just to put our piece, our, our lives back together. Right. Yes. Wow. So from that experience, what piece of advice or what would you say to someone that is feeling buried in, this isn't what I want. I want to get my, I want to get my life back, but feeling that, you know, that other person really mistreating or not understanding. Do you have anything you would say, you know, with your 2020 hindsight? Yes, I would say that, I don't even know what to say because I really afraid to say this, but I have to keep everything secret. Don't try anything. Just get out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Get out. Yeah. I would say, I would say, don't try. Don't. Yeah. 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 Well, especially, especially if if you're threats of, well, any kind of abuse, if it's not getting better, but certainly physical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not going to get better if somebody's gone there. If it's physical. Yeah. Just get out. Yeah. 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 And keep everything secret. If you don't have a job, get a job secretly. I think there are some special organizations out there who are specifically, maybe we should mention this as well, if you don't mind. Uh-huh. Sure. There is an organization specifically for abused women mm-hmm. to help them get a job mm-hmm. that is undetected. To oh, help oh. them. Yes, to help them get a job that is undetected and build financial freedom while living in a situation, living in an abusive situation. Mm -hmm. And that will build them financial security. And then they can say, okay, this is it. This is my day and I'm leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's another layer of fear. If you don't know how you'll take care of yourself. Yeah after leaving that. Uh, it's scary. It yeah. was scary for me. And that's why I stuck in that relationship. And that's why I didn't want to leave because mm-hmm. how am I going to take care of my daughter? How am I going to take care of myself? How are we going to pay for rent? Yeah. You know, how are we going to pay for, for medical expenses? It's crazy. Yeah. So, well, thankfully you found the help you needed and you figured it out Tell us a little bit about where you are now and what you do to 
continue to, I guess, set boundaries in your life with others or where do you find yourself now? I'm at a very good place right now. I found out that I'm an artist and I am able to say it uh, loud and proud. Yeah. And so what I wanted to mention that what also helped me through the abusive relationship was was art. Mm -hmm. I was lucky because uh, I have a daughter Mm -hmm. and we did art together. Whenever things were, you know, a little bit out of hand and, you know, we got the silent treatment, we would go into another room and then we would do art. And that was super, super helpful. And after we left, I continued doing art. Mm-hmm. I am a self-taught artist. I actually started doing these personalized sacred geometry paintings for people. So these paintings are super powerful, super high energy. So this is my sacred geometry painting. Uh-huh. This is this, the title of this painting is Stepping Into My Personal Power. Wow. And I painted this painting a year and a half ago mm-hmm. when at a coaching program, I learned about, you know, stepping into your power. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. That's why I recognized and able to say that loud that, yes, I am an artist. And what I do for people, I do the same things for them. So this is my point B. This is when I'm in my power. So, you know, how people are in their point A and then they start talking about their desires and goals, what they're trying to reach and achieve. And I paint the point B for them, where they they are headed. And this energy is sitting in their living room or sitting in their office where they have a constant reminder where they are going. I love it. That's amazing. And that was part of what helped you through your journey was finding this art and yes. digging into it and now bringing yes. so much joy to yourself and others. That's great. Yes. So thank you so much for sharing that really, really powerful story of growth and stepping into your own personal power, knowing your worth. Tell us where everyone can learn more about you if they'd like to connect or check out more of your paintings. So they can find me on Instagram Uh under my name, Judith Pett. And I also have a website on uh, Wix. Uh It's judithpetts.wixsite.com slash pets. But I know, I know no one can remember that. I'm putting it in the show notes. (laughs) No problem. It will be in the show notes. So anyone that is interested can go check it out. And I encourage you to do that, especially if you're not watching this on video, because it really is lovely and inspiring art. So thank you for being here with us today, Judith. You are definitely an example of courage and someone really stepping into their power. And I appreciate you. And thank you to everyone that listened in. If you're like most women, you have a big dream on your heart and really want to make a positive impact in the lives of others. But self-doubt, fear, or other limiting beliefs often get in your way. What many women don't realize is that the one thing that can catapult them forward is deepening their self-love and self-esteem. So I have a free ebook for you that's really going to help you in this area. 
It's called 30 Days to Deepen Self-Love, and you can download it at the link in our show notes. Enjoy. Enjoy.